0: Hey guys, we're here today with Bishop James Long. Um, I'm on my phone, so it may not be as good of audio quality, but uh, it's the best I can do. So let's hope everything works on Bishop Long's end of it. Uh, I've had technical difficulties. I did a upload of, a, or rather, a download of a upgrade, you know, you know, update from Microsoft, and now I'm having a lot of audio issues. So um, this is what it's at. I'm on my phone today, so. I'm not going to have the best quality, unfortunately, but i uh, doing the best I can here. So without further ado, let me get Bishop Long on. Hopefully we can get him. Hello, Bishop. I oh, can't hear him. So hang on, let me access. See why I'm not getting Bishop Long. We may have technical difficulties today. Add the to stream hello bishop
1: there you go hi how are you
0: good i had technical difficulties with microsoft
1: yeah it happens computers you, i'll tell you what they're wonderful when they work but boy when they don't oh
0: yeah. gotta update, and i can i, I can use my mic because I'm, I'm using a uh extra you know channeler box but i can't hear my i can't hear any headphones or anything even on the desktop
1: oh my goodness you know a long time ago when i was doing radio uh online radio about 2003 when it just first started uh, i i I loved it but the problem is you had to have about 12 different programs open and you I literally, literally I was the computer because no, I, I only I know I own the, the network so right. I learned I learned how to do that Though the problem is is when windows updated one just one program out of the 12 nothing worked that's
0: it that's what I'm going through right now For yeah. some reason, I've got a scarlet you know, two one two that I go through to channel everything, and the headphone channel's not working. Then when I switch to the desktop head, you know, headphones, that's not working. So here I am. It's one of those lot-
1: things. One of those things.
0: I am glad to have you on. I've been wanting to have you on for a long time, and uh, I have lots of questions for you. Actually, I've okay. seen you. I mean, I've seen you like a lot of people have seen you doing these TV shows. You know, Bobby Mackey's and whatnot. And mm-hmm. to be an exorcist. Is there some fear in that at all to do that? Because, I mean, you're dealing with demons. I, I know you're obviously trained to, theologically to do this. Right. But what's it like to be an exorcist?
1: Well, you know, it's uh – I'm not really afraid for myself because I don't fear death. And so um I think because I don't fear death, that really is the only thing that, that demons have – Control over people, the fear of death, the fear of what they can do to you, and I and I I don't have I have zero fear of death, and so for me, they have no control.
0: Okay.
1: However, the only fear that I really do have when I do an exorcism is for the person who is possessed, and that is the fear of the person having a heart attack or stroke, and that's why I have a medical team that's actually there Uh, when a person because I, I'll never perform an exorcism. The 29 that I performed, I will never perform without medically trained staff there. I just won't because I'm not a doctor. And I don't know if someone is going into a stroke or a heart attack or checking the vitals. I, I'm just, I can do the basic vital check, but that's it. And so that's my main concern is for the person. And, and not only that, but also helping the family because the family is going through a lot too, seeing their, their loved one uh, really under horrible,
0: circumstances Hmm. okay cool um i know you've done some interesting camp- what do you do to prepare you know to go in because i know like with the with the i'm not going to say regular catholic church because you're with the you know united catholic church you know you know you know what i mean old catholic yeah Old catholic i'm sorry do you have to uh, fast before you do these things sure prepare- Okay.
1: yeah yeah personally we do uh, two weeks of fasting and then after we fast we, we always we do confessional mass every single i do mass every day anyway so um but we go to confession and so the, there's a an extensive an extensive process and an exorcist has to do before performing an exorcism and that's different than the minor rite of exorcism but still when you're dealing with an exorcism with a person um you, you have to be very careful
0: Okay, cool, wonderful. Well, not wonderful, but you know what I mean. Sure. Uh, very interesting to me because I know when I, you know, when I go out with my team, like you talk about health and stuff, yep. you run into stuff like this all the time. You know, not all the time, but you do run into this stuff, and you do worry for even the health of your teammates because it's going to go after what, what it, whatever your weaknesses are.
1: Mm-hmm. A hundred times, uh, because, and that's what people. It just drives me crazy sometimes how some people just take it so. In a relaxed, kind of like well, nonchalant attitude. And you can't do that when it comes to demonology. You just simply can't. And so and furthermore, you shouldn't have anything to do with demonic cases if you're not truly prepared for it. Especially if you're dealing with human beings. If you're if you're going into a, a place that's infested, that's one thing where no one lives. But if you have a family and you go into that place and you're just there just to catch a footage and put it on YouTube and become famous and well-known the paranormal, then not only have you done a disservice to the family, but you've also, and even more so, you've done a major disservice to God. And that, and to me, that is spitting right in the face of God. And that is something that I don't care how, how much, how fame, how much fame you get for that. There's nothing I would do in this world to spit in the face of God. And, to use demonology and use people as a tool, as a way to become famous in the paranormal. Unfortunately, that's that is, that is um, that's an unfortunate thing, but many people are doing it.
0: This is true. I noticed because, you know, I don't know if it's the TV shows that, that, that are causing it or what, but almost every call I get, every, the person at the home always thinks it's a demon.
1: Well, so, yeah, that's sorry, true. That, right. Yeah. But you know, look, you also know as well as I do, that there are a lot of teams that as soon as they go in there and they feel a little creepy, Oh, it's a demon. Right. Everything is a demon. Every, it's like, give me a break really seriously. It it, it just simply, it's not the case. It's just not the case. And I, I I don't have my phone with me, but right now I have 20, I think 2,900 emails. And that's in four days, four days, 2,900. I've been doing this for over 20 years. I, I, There's, and that's one that's another thing drives me crazy. I've been studying demonology for 41 years, but people always say, Well, I've been in the paranormal for 50 years and I've been over for 30 years. It's like, No, you haven't. I was there. I know exactly who was in the paranormal community 20 years ago, 25 years ago, because I was there. We were using Yahoo groups to communicate with one another, MySpace didn't exist. Facebook didn't exist. None of the Yahoo groups is how we communicated. And so that really drives, that's, that's going on a lot in the paranormal where people say, well, I'm a demonologist and I've been, I've been doing this for 30 years. You have not. Of the people who have been here for over 20 years, we know who is here and we know who is not. And apparently that's really becoming a major issue in the paranormal where people are saying, I've been a demonologist for 25 years and and you just and you just shake your head and then it's like okay so th- for some reason in their in their minds they're going to lie to establish credibility instead of actually doing the cases and studying and doing the work so they immediately say well i've been doing it for all these years and that immediately tries to establish their credibility but really in the end the people who've been here long know that they have not been here
0: how do you pick through all that
1: how do I th- I'm sorry
0: Like you say, you you got all these emails, with possible, you know, demon cases that people did. How do you sort through all that?
1: Well, thankfully, uh, 20 years ago, I started the paranormal clergy because I couldn't do it anymore. I was literally driving myself to the ground because I was having cases. I was only one person. And at that, when I started, there was no Catholic clergy helping people. There, There were none. Understand that when I started the only, the only Catholic clergy that was there was Bishop McKenna. And even at then he was still elderly. He was in new England States. He, and he did not want to be public at all. He wanted to be left alone. He didn't want to be a public clergy member. He just did not want, that's not what he wanted. So when I started, it was me, father Andrew Calder, who was an Episcopalian. He was a a schismatic. He wasn't with the main Episcopalians. He was a schismatic group. Um, but that was it. And, and Andy did not want to do perform, uh, exorcisms. He, didn't, he had no desire to perform exorcisms. Now he'll do the minor rite, but he did not want to perform an exorcism on someone. And so Andy and I were good friends. And so there were no Catholic clergy. None. It didn't exist. And so I didn't want to go public either. But my friends kept saying, look, there's no there's no clergy helping. We need your help. So I did. And, and in the beginning, I was trying to do it all. And it was just insane. And so I started the paranormal clergy. So now we have teams all across the United States. And then Rich Valdez is now the director of the paranormal clergy. He actually is a laity demonologist for the church. And he actually is legitimate in that he has real cases. And so he goes through all the information, all the emails, And uh, then we dispatch a team. They go out, they investigate. They bring the information back to Rich. Rich will then look at all the information. If he thinks it warrants my attention, he'll say, Bishop, we have a problem. And then he lets me know what's going on.
0: Okay, okay. I was wondering how you did that. I mean, like, because from what I understand, you know, the Catholic Church has told us, you know, that we we have to go out, get all the documentation, and then, you know, bring it to them.
1: Sure. Yeah, you have to because the the exorcist can't, can't do it all and 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 now rich doesn't go through all my emails because i have a lot of social media outlets so all those come to me and it is it is tough it is i can't go through all of them and i I do the best that i can like right now on facebook i have 573 messages and and that and that's today that's today and i have seven i have 7,933 friend requests but i'm at my 5,000 limit so i I do what I can, and I just take one email at a time. That's all I can do.
0: I can believe it because I know, like, you know, we'll get, like, 20, 30 calls a month, you know, and everybody thinks it's even, and it makes your job even harder because yep. now, now you're dealing with people that might have mental issues when you go out there, and, you know, so you have to staff accordingly, you know, even on your staff. Yeah.
1: That is true, and, and, and mental illness is a completely, that's not, that that really does concern me. Um, you know, of course, demon demonic cases concerns me, but mental illness really has always concerned me for groups because we have a mental health professional who is licensed mental health therapist on our team. And it really frightens me when I hear teams just going out to a, a case where someone claims to see a demon. Right. And, you know, if that person has paranoid schizophrenia. I mean, that really could put the team at a major damage. I'll tell you a quick story. Sure. I was there was a woman there a long time ago, and when I first was starting out, and she said she has a demon in her home. So I said, okay. So I drove over to her home. It's a pretty long drive, and I think seven, eight hours. And when I got there, I looked in her kitchen and there were holes, puncture holes in her kitchen. And I mean thousands and thousands. I, 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 I can't I can't even describe how many holes. It, it, it was everywhere, everywhere. And I thought, what in the world? And I even asked her, I said, why are all these holes? They're everywhere. You must have thousands of them. And she pulled out a broom. But the broom had been cut off. And at the end of the broom was a large butcher knife, huge butcher knife. And she said, every time I see that demon, I stab it. Wow. And that's when I thought, okay, it's time for me to go. Oh,
0: no, I understand that. We had a case. I'm not going to say where it was, but we did. We had a case a couple of years ago where the gentleman would—he thought the demon was in the walls, and he tore. his a rental house, and he tore all the walls down. And the house trying to get him. Yeah. Fortunately, with my team, and I'm not trying to PR myself, but I just want you know, I'm trying to like do this because I know I agree with you. I think there's a lot of teams out there that are dangerous. You sure. Know, for profession. and with my team, it's taken years for me to put together my team to where I have you know two, two mental health professionals on staff. You know, so I, I don't worry I, I don't worry about it. I have screeners that go in with me and you know and, and we talk to people and we find out what's going on with them. real likely you know questionnaire. but it scares me because like you say there are these teams out there that don't do that.
1: That's right and that's a, right.
0: This service to the community or to, to the client rather you know when, when you don't do that because you don't know what you're dealing with
1: that's right and and and, and the thing that people don't understand you go into a, a home and if someone really is in a paranoid state, And you go in and say, oh yeah, I I feel a demon. I feel it, it's here. Now what you've just done is fed into that paranoia. Mm -hmm. And now you cause the person to go into an extreme paranoia to now the person could take their life. The person, and that type of stuff right there is a, I'm telling you one day, I've said this for a long time, but one day it's going to happen, one day. Somebody's going to go in there and they're going to pretend to be an exorcist or demonologist. And a demonologist, by the way, has no business performing an exorcism. None. Let's make that very, very clear. If you are a demonologist and you're watching this, you're watching this now or later, and if you're performing an exorcism, you have no business. Because a demonologist is not, that's not what a demonologist does. And Mm -hmm. people, that, that really does bother me a lot when I'm seeing demonologists performing rites that they have no business performing. A person who is a true demonologist, they know that their job is to go in, investigate, gather the information. They know what to look for. They know the signs to look for, gather all of the information up and present it to an exorcist. That is what a demonologist is supposed to do, but going around performing exorcism is not the job of a demonologist.
0: Oh, absolutely not. But yeah, like you say, it's it's rather frightening right now because you've got some sure. people who are doing this stuff and claiming this and claiming that. I want to find out about your background. i, I read. I was on your website looking. Yeah, you that's know, your hmm. background. And you were a, you you were going to the I guess the seminary with the regular Catholic, uh, Catholic Church, correct?
1: Yeah, I studied for the Roman Catholic priesthood for six years.
0: Okay, so what made you switch out of that?
1: Well, a couple of things. Um, number one, I, I've always known that I was a gay man. That I, I've always known. It, it, as a little boy, I knew I was different. Always, I knew. I didn't know why. I just knew that there was something different about me. And and also because there are several things. One, because I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be at a church preaching against LGBTQ people. I'm not going to do it. That's a that's hypocrisy. Number two. I believe in women ordination. Women are not inferior to men. This is my own theological belief, and I and to say that God cannot call women to serve in ministry as a pastor—that's ridiculous. So to me, I was not going to preach against that. And furthermore, furthermore, I was not going to say, "Well, I can't help you because you are those people. You are one of, You're not Roman Catholic. You're one of the." No, I'm going to help everybody who comes to be in need. I don't care if you worship a, an ant. If you think an ant is your God, I will try to help you and say, no, that the ant's not God, but I'll help you. But I'm not going to shove my faith down your throat. I'm going to help you to the best of my ability. And so there, there are multiple reasons why I chose. Now, my life could have been, quite honestly, far, far easier, far easier. I mean, I would have had a salary, I would have had a home. Uh, Well, I have a home now, but I would have had uh, a housing allowance paid for. I would have never had to have insurance, food. I would not have had to pay a bill at all to live because it's all taken care of. Mm -hmm. So and and rightfully so, because that is eight years of studying, four years of college and four years of of graduate school. That's a lot of studying. So for me, I, I understand that. But I chose the old Catholics, the United States old Catholic Church. We do not get paid. We do not have insurance. We do not have a church. We have—if you if you have your own ministry and whatever ministry that is, that's what you do, and you don't get paid for it. And so this is truly a ministry of love. And but we do have a seminary, and you—we are required to go through the seminary. You have—you have to have go through training. But we, all that's free. We don't charge one penny for it, not one.
0: That's incredible. That's incredible. Now you were recently out uh, at, the, at the riots out in Kentucky.
1: Yes, I was. I, I'm a chaplain for the for the police department, yeah.
0: And how did that go? What's your function when you're out there, you know, with, with all these people?
1: Well, try to calm people down and you know, be there certainly for everyone, but you know, when two officers were shot, that was just um, that that that's a different that's no longer rioting. That that's that is attempted manslaughter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I and I firmly believe in the right to protest. Absolutely. I'm I'm there 100%. Um, but I am not in favor of shooting completely innocent officers who literally I, I have met some of the most amazing police officers in the world, people who are faithful, people who are loving, who are non judgmental, who will literally will absolutely jump in front of a bullet to save your life. And these people, I understand that there are bad police, and yes, there are. I will tell you that the majority of officers that I know are Mm -hmm. people who will truly do everything and anything they can to help a person in need. And every single day they go to work and they worry about whether or not they're going to come back home to their family. And I just do not support, I do not support violence of any kind violence toward police officers toward the innocent. I don't support that. And I do not support violence towards innocent police officers who've done nothing but try to help people and 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 support them i mean these are the these to me these people they get forty thousand dollars a year mm-hmm. it's not a whole heck of a lot of money to be willing to jump in front of a bullet and po- perhaps die yourself to save another person's life you don't even know so let's give a little bit more credit to the police and let's stop bashing the police and and we can't support people who who are who are attacking innocent police officers we can't we can't support that i won't support it because um i i think it's repulsive Mm-hmm. just as repulsive as i think police officers who abuse their power we we can't this violence the divisiveness is just i i'm so i'm I'm exhausted from it and i, I know everybody else is we just enough is enough just everybody needs to calm down relax we're going to get through this uh you know i believe in justice and i believe those people you know will will have to answer if not to this world then the people who abuse their power and kill innocent people whether it's the police or Mm -hmm. people who kill police will have to answer to the ultimate authority so justice is going to be served one way or the other
0: Mm -hmm. that's interesting yeah i was wondering what you know what your function was when you were out there when you were out there the other night um what do you see from your perspective and, and 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 working in the in the church are you seeing different trends with people as far as their attitudes towards, towards the church or, or anything, or their beliefs or anything like that?
1: I understand. You know, this this collar that I wear, uh, we it's called clerics. Um, for some people, this represents violence. It represents torture. It represents judgment. Mm-hmm. It, re- it represents condemnation. And in some people's eyes, it represents hate because there have been some clergy, and I use that term loosely, who have used their power of influence to to hurt others, to judge others, to condemn others. And those people have no business, none whatsoever as clergy members. And so for me, when I go on and I talk to people, I always try to remind them that don't judge Christ so harshly based on the actions of man because unfortunately there there are ego there's ego that gets in the way there's judgmental that's hatred sometimes and that's the actions of man but really if you look at scripture Jesus was just the opposite of hatred I mean this is a man who defended prostitutes, tax collectors uh, who, who defended the poor, who defended the sick, the people that were ostracized those people that were not considered, part of part of the rest of the community if you were a leper you were never matter of fact if you were a leper uh, and if someone walked towards you and they were considered clean the lepers would have to say unclean unclean they would have to make themselves known so that everybody has you can't touch them even their families couldn't touch them no one could be around them and but that's what society did to these people but they were human beings who had a who had a very serious illness mm-hmm. and yet when Jesus came on when Jesus came on scene he embraced them Okay. And that really, to me, that's the type of Christianity that I am in love with. The Christianity where, where Christ defended the prostitute, where well, one of the greatest stories in, in Scripture, one of my favorite stories in Scripture, is when the men, the prostitute was running and the men were about to stone her to death. Because in, in the Mosaic law, she was rec- she was required to be stoned because that's man's law. Because okay. after all, she was having relations with married men. That's adultery. Now, okay. the men... It's interesting, the men who committed adultery were just whipped, but the women, now the women on the other hand, they were stoned to death. Isn't that interesting? But Jesus came on the scene and he said, and we all know the story. And that's what I love about what he did. Those of you without sin be cast the first stone. Man, when I read that the first time, I thought, this is a guy that I want to know. This is a God that I really want to know. And then he, he well, first he bent down and he was writing in the sand do you know what he was writing no when all these men were around him and they had these stones and they were ready to kill this prostitute he was writing in the sand and then he stood up and then he looked at him and he said those of you without sin may cast the first stone what he was writing in the sand was all of their sins Every single one of them, he would look at this person, look at that person, and write their sins down. And they looked and they, they saw what he wrote. And that's why they dropped every single stone because they realized then that they have no right at all to throw a stone, because the sins that he wrote on that sand, according to the Mosaic law, should have put it, the penalty would have been stoning to death. And they knew darn well that they were hypocrites. And this is when this is that—that's the type of Christianity that I love, not man's distortion of Christianity.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, hey, I got a question from the uh, chat room. Yep, from Roy, my my good buddy. She's wondering if with it, with everything that's been going on now, all these fires, you know, and all this—is—is is, is, is that kind of pointing to the end of times?
1: No, I, I don't think so. I, I think I'm not really big into the, the scaring people, the end of times. So there's a lot of people who believe that the end of times is near. I don't worry about that, you know, because what I worry about, because I don't worry about death. And if the end of times is here tomorrow, if the end of times is today, so be it. There's nothing I can do about it. The only thing that I can do is show as much love and compassion to every single person who comes to me that is the only thing that I can do. I can't worry about whether or not the end is coming because I don't fear death. I, I, have, I, had, a, I had a near-death experience. Literally, I died. Um, a world-leading expert in near-death experience, doc, his name is Dr. Jeffrey Long. I had him on my show, and he's actually a medical doctor. I told him my story. He said, James, you realize you died during an operation. And I saw my mom, who had passed away in 2014. I saw her. Just like I'm talking to you, I'm seeing you on camera. I, it wasn't a dream I know what a dream is. I saw her and it was just I, I don't fear death and so if the time comes today, okay, then I pray for as many people as I can and I prepare myself and I'm ready. so I, I don't fear I don't fear I don't fear that.
0: Cool. Uh, I have another question from Carol, another uh, listener. She's wondering if because of all the negative energy stuff that's going on, if maybe the the, de- the, 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 the demons are the, are coming in more, you know, th- that they're being drawn in, maybe it's increasing.
1: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, I do believe now there are two types of demonic activity. There's ordinary demonic activity and extraordinary. And mm-hmm. ordinary demonic activity is when the demonic will will use, will take what we'll you use, your weaknesses, your weaknesses of pride, of gluttony, of, you know, anger, whatever those seven deadly sins, and they will amplify that, and they will use that so for the purpose of destruction and breaking you down, breaking people down, so yeah, I do believe we are certainly seeing a, a rampant, uh, an absolute ramp, any type of, of extreme frustration and anxiety and hatred that, that occurs, demonic entities will we'll jump on that like, like, like vultures, because that's meal time for that's that's the dinner bell for them. They they jump on it. It's they're opportunists, and they're going to amplify times a hundred.
0: Okay, now you've done these great cases. You, I I, I seen you at Bobby Mackey's. You mm-hmm. know those adventures and stuff. What was one of the hardest cases that 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 you did that that was on TV?
1: That was on TV probably. Yeah. Well, on a personal level, it was probably the exorcism live. When I did at the Exorcist House uh, on the Travel Channel, uh, that was that was unbelievably. Uh, see, I am an. what people don't know about me is I'm an introvert, extreme introvert uh, on the Briars uh, Briggs system. I'm an INFJ. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the that's one of the most extreme introverts. And I. I. I large crowds and i just get very very anxious very anxious um many people i i do consider me an, an empath i have to be careful about that because large crowds will absolutely exhaust me it, it's like i'm running 10 miles but when i showed up there th- it wasn't a big neighborhood i mean the, the, you know the houses were kind of close together and the streets were close together and when i showed up there i i was under the impression it was just going to be a simple little show with a couple cameras and the there were 10 massive semi-trucks. I mean massive trucks. And there the, the in the back of the house, this huge, gigantic setup. And I thought, oh, this is not what I thought this was supposed to be. I mean, this was so and then when what was interesting is when it was when we were airing it live the police had to be called because there were people who showed up and they can they called them they were devil worshipers and they were very proud they said I'm I worship satan they were they were screaming and there were literally people on the streets putting curses on me during the actual live exorcism uh, which again it was the minor rite of exorcism but I, I had no control of how they edited it but literally they were they were up there putting curses so the police had to push them back further and further but we could hear them scream so while we were down there getting ready to, to go into the on onto the uh, the house and people, were, I curse you, Bishop Long and made Satan. I mean, they were just screaming, screaming. I thought, folks, I'm just blessing a house. But, you know, I guess they didn't like the fact that I was defeating Satan or fighting Satan. or And it was the homeowners who actually asked me to perform the minor rite of exorcism. So what, that's what many people don't know. It was the homeowners who actually asked me to do it.
0: Interesting. Carol Martin, you, I hope I said it right. Martin, you, I hope I said it right. She's wondering if um, there are any new demons as opposed. I don't know how to, how to say this. You know, you got the old demons like Beelzebub and, and all those out there. Are, are there any new demons that are cropping up? I guess. Well,
1: see, we, we, we really don't know as far as the theological perspective of when and how angels are created. We know that God obviously is the creator of all things. Now, if God is the creator of all things, which I certainly do believe, uh, and and from a theological perspective, we believe that angels fell, freely chose to fall. So therefore, heaven has to exist. Uh, free will has to exist in heaven.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, is it possible that God would create more angels, and those angels freely choose to fall and serve Satan rather than God? Well, I would have to probably say yes. Um, but we simply don't know with an absolute one hundred percent. We can theologize. And I would, uh, from my perspective, I certainly believe that free will still exists in heaven, even for angels. Um, many people say, well, no, that was a one time event where Lucifer fell and, and took angels with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, OK, I, I understand that theory, but we really don't know for a fact until we're actually there. So I, I think that even at this time, I think angels can still freely fall.
0: Okay. You know what? Tell me about Bobby Mackey's, because to me, out of all the places I've ever seen on TV and read about, that has to be for me as a ghost hunter. I don't know if I would step foot in that place.
1: You know, a lot of people, a lot of people, <laughs> it's the funniest thing. I did the, 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 the three episodes with the Ghost Adventures guy on Bobby Mackey's and a team went in about a week later and they were so mad. I mean, they wrote me and thanks a lot. nothing happened. Nothing happened. When we got in there, we could still smell the incense. I appreciate that Bishop. I'm like, well, that's the, that's the point,
0: right? (laughs) That's,
1: that was the point of me being in there to cleanse the area. Um, I will tell you this. I I, I don't work for Bobby, for Bobby Mackey's and I don't work for ghost adventures. I'm friends with Zach. I speak to him regularly, but I will tell you that what I experienced what I personally experienced at Bobby Mackey's that the guys did not air everything because of some real personal things that were discovered Mm -hmm. uh, or that were mentioned during the, during the investigation. So, and I'm not going to go into it because it's personal. And if they ever want to divulge it, maybe one day they can, but I will tell you that what you saw was not even, was not even half of what really, really went down there. I mean, if you see it, matter of fact, it, just watch. All i got to just say, say about this, watch the transition. Look at the transition of the guys.
0: Right.
1: Watch, what, watch what happened after the Bobby Mackey's episode, and then watch the show and watch what happened to each one of them individually. And right. that's, all I ha- that's all I have to say about that.
0: That was something else I was going to bring up, is people don't realize when going on in these cases that you may not get attacked there. It may not affect That's you. That's
1: right.
0: It could affect you either the next day or 10 years down the line.
1: Absolutely, 100%. And the matter, you got to understand, demonic entities are very patient. Uh, they will wait. They're opportunists. They're not going to attack you when you're strong, your intellect and will is strong. They're going to attack you when your wife or husband leaves you, when you lose your job, when you're depressed, when you're lonely, and when, when you don't feel anyone else is around, around you to help that's when they are going to attack and it could be tomorrow and it could be a week and it could be a month or a year or even longer mm-hmm. they are very very patient they're parasites and they're opportunists and they will wait until the perfect time so while you're going in and i always tell zach stop provoking because mm-hmm. while he's going in there beating his chest and saying come on i dare you to do something i dare you to, a demonic entity is not stupid they're not stupid they're not gonna say okay here i am i'm over here i'm on. No, what they're doing is they're looking at you within inches of your face saying, oh, I will. Mm-hmm. I'll do something. I will provoke back when you're depressed and you're lonely and your wife or husband leaves you, or your partner, or significant other leaves you. And that's when they will provoke back.
0: Give you, you guys a warning out there. I did. A, I did a case with a minor demon about a year ago and it, it, it followed me home and I woke up the next day with scratches all over my arm and whatnot and I'm just sitting there working on the paperwork, even listening to the EVP on the case and the scratches mm-hmm. just start to appear. I mean they will come back to get you. Um I got a question no. in here. Somebody has asked me What do you think about these paranormal museums like Zach's and, and and you know there's like three paranormal museums that we all know of, right? I mean we got Zach's then we got John Zapis. John Zapis. <laughs> The ones to,
1: for the, uh my mind's like jello. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I think, you know, you got to have to, you got to be careful. You got to be careful. And I understand that some people want to see uh, the historical, what what happened, you know, the artifact of, you just have to be careful. You just have to, you just, just be cautious. If you're the type of person that, um, if you're a strong empath, I would probably tell you to stay away from it. Uh, but at the same time, I I or even if you're psychic, I would say you you, you might want to re- reconsider. But I understand why some people would really want to see things like for me, from a historical perspective, uh, Zach has. And I know it sounds it, it is tr- tr- truly disturbing. Right. But Zach has uh, part of a brain of John Wayne Gacy. And from a from a perspective, I don't know, I wouldn't necessarily want to see that. But I know some people who would um, see the actual brain of a serial killer. Uh, Okay, but if that's what you want to see, but I don't know, for me, from a from a theological perspective and from an exorcist pers- perspective, I would like to see certain things to see. Okay, what was it about this particular object that caused the demonic to attach itself, and why? What's the history? Because I love history, so I want to know the historical aspects as well as to why certain things were, you know, were were attached, why demonic attached to it. So that's the only reason I would want to look at those things.
0: That makes sense. I have another question in here for both of us. It's hard for me to see. I'm blind. Uh, he. The question is: Is it belief system when it comes to uh, spirits, demons, etc. If you truly believe, you 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 will get activity, and if if you're skeptical, you're not going to get as much activity.
1: No, because I have an atheist who was uh, possessed by a demonic before. So no, uh, you, your belief or not, our non-belief is irrelevant to a demonic entity. They really don't care, um, because in the end, they they don't care if you worship the rock they don't they don't care what the demonic entity doesn't that's not in relevant that's completely irrelevant to them Mm
0: -hmm.
1: now i will tell you though that if you go out and you do things that perhaps cause them to be aware that you exist like like provoke um then regardless of your faith whether it be christianity or uh, muslim or whatever it might be you you're going to have some problems and you will either you will either surrender to that to that evil, or you will really call upon your faith. And uh, it, it is, it's it's very challenging. It, it'll it'll break you. It will break your intellect and will. And so sometimes you you really do need to call upon other people to help, and that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're bad. And I know a lot of people don't like to do it because they're afraid that people are going to think they're crazy.
0: Right, and Chris, and, go ahead.
1: Nope, after you.
0: Okay, and Chris, I can tell you from experience that we have had non-believers and debunkers on this team that have had issues during investigations, uh, you know, when we've come in contact with, with demons ourselves. I can tell you that. There you go. I got a question that says, would being attacked after going to a cemetery be connected to a demonic or would the attack be from a relative?
1: That's a great question. And really all of these are great questions. And I got to tell you something. Uh, I, about f- 17 18 years ago or so my team there's a, a cemetery here in Kentucky nobody heard of it it didn't, it didn't even exist uh, the people didn't even know that it existed it was a abandoned cemetery no one heard of it so we went on uh, my radio show on the television shows and we talked about it and we really promoted it and tell people to stay away from it now many people yeah. a lot of people in this area they know it thank god and it's the gates of hell cemetery in Kentucky stay away from that cemetery. That's all I'm going to stay. I have had some very, very dark activity in that area. And I will tell you that um, that cemetery is no joke. Of all the cemeteries I have ever been to in my entire life, that is the worst. Stay away from it
0: uh what residential exorcism okay and i know we talked about the the the, the one you did on ghost adventures mm-hmm. but off camera you don't have to mention names or location but what um what what stands out in your mind as as an uh, exorcism that, that you've done in, in somebody's house
1: oh gosh um well, there's been a lot uh, with a minor rite of exorcism. See, the, the, the difference is the minor rite of exorcism is when a demonic entity has infested itself or a malevolent spirit. They've infested itself within the home. And then you, oh. perf- you perform the minor rite of exorcism. You bless the home. And then you basically wait until the last room and you perform the minor rite of exorcism on the entity. Um, now, the solemn rite, that's different. That's when you actually perform an exorcism on someone who is possessed. The minor rite of exorcism, I have had, oh, dear God, um, Probably on the the uh, the episode, the haunting, the family there really really went through some tough time. I mean, that was there was dark. We would I would see these massive dark shadows um, there. It was incredibly oppressive. Even when I uh, there's a cross and I have two candles there and I lit it. And this is the second time this has happened. In another case, it happened, and this one, the candle is a tea light candle, and the cross. The cross stood about 12 inches, so the 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 arms. So it was pretty high from the tea light. When I lit that tea light candle, the flame shot up so high. And I still have the cross today that it actually burnt the the, the, the arm part of the cross. And so that's when we first started. And the incense, um, I had the incense and I was putting the incense in the sensor, and I had that, and then something we clearly saw it, but it knocked. The the not the charcoal, but the actual incense that makes it, the charcoal smell. It mm-hmm. knocked that over. It, it it was as if someone walked right behind it and just smacked it, and it went all over the place. I'm not talking about it just kind of fell down and then incense kind of just fell around. It splattered twenty feet past. It. I mean, it literally something knocked it, and so I would say that that on the haunting episode uh, on that house that was probably probably the most violent we heard knocks growls uh horrible god-awful odors the horrible re- repulsive odors um black shadows yeah that, that was a rough that was a rough case
0: wow uh the question from the chat room is the longest time fighting a demon physician. three years really
1: mm-hmm.
0: interesting it was, was an
1: it- incubus case
0: Oh, I can understand that. Was that, I mean, how, how do you do that? Like for three years, did you go in and do, are you doing the same battle every day? Or are mm-hmm.
1: you? That's what it's, it's a repetitive. It's a repetitive prayer because the intellect and will of the exorcist and the intellect will of the demonic are at battle. And that took three years. Mm-hmm. That was, that was the worst, the worst incubus case I have ever had in my life.
0: Wow. So is it like, is it like in the movies? Is it like you're tying people down and
1: all that stuff? Like no, actually, if you tie someone down without their permission, that's actually uh, you can be charged, um, okay. and that that's that said as a felony. So well, that's that's what a lot of people are—they're just going around tying people down. You have got to be prepared to be arrested. Um, no, it, it, it's part. It, it is similar to an exorcism on someone. It is similar to the exorcist in that they will regurgitate and that happens quite often and because the demonic will not allow substance of food of life to enter their body like food and water so if you're trying to give them food and water they will become very very violently sick and so that's why i have a medical team that's there so to make sure that the person does not go to to a point of dehydration where their organs shut down and so that is a real serious real serious threat um i have had a a person once and the reason is you tie them down obviously because they become very violent But you have to restrict them, but you have to have a power of attorney to do that. You can't just simply tie someone down without their permission. So uh, we did not do that once because the person was in transient possession. And literally in the snap of a finger, it was very fast. He was not in transient possession. Then he went right into possessed state and he twisted his arm. He twisted it like this. Uh, just like that way, and it was, but it was so unnatural the way he did, it. and he did it so violently that you heard. I heard a loud snap. It was a crack, and you knew that he just had broken his arm.
0: Wow, I have a question. It's kind of a yeah. long question. Um, I guess the, 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 I guess the kids were at home using a, a Ouija board. We all know mm. how fun those are, and I guess the mother came home from work and felt very drained, like like she had felt, dra- you know, drained after she was in the house. What could have possibly caused that?
1: Yeah, that's energy. That's all energy. Remember, uh, demonic entities will just suck literally the life, the energy, everything out of of the environment and the individual. And energy is nothing paranormal. Even Einstein argued energy. For example, let me give you a perfect example of energy. Real easy. This is the best analogy that I can possibly give. You're walking down the street. You see somebody. You don't know who they are, but you know you don't want to know who they are. Mm-hmm. They don't have to say one word to you. That's energy. The same thing is if you walk into a room, someone walks into the room and they don't say a word. And all of a sudden, people just flock to them. They just they're just they just go to them. That's energy. That's positive energy. It's negative and positive energy. How do you
0: feel about Ouija boards?
1: I hate them. Don't like them at all. It shouldn't be used. Because I I can see
0: that because you don't really know what's contacting you and that it's a portal.
1: We tell children, don't talk to strangers, but yet people who play with Ouija boards are doing it all the time. And people, and I'm telling you, I don't care what anyone says and people get mad when I say this, but I'm gonna I have to speak the truth. There is no such thing as well. I'm only gonna speak to the positive spirits. It doesn't work. The demonic entity could care less. You can surround yourself with white light all you want to. But the fact is, is if you're playing with a Ouija board, you can't control who you're going to communicate with. And so therefore, because of that, it also says that you should not put the Lord your God to test. So you can't, have, you can't have it one, you can't have it two ways here. You can't have you can't have your cake and eat it too. So you can't say, well, I'm going to surround myself with white light and nothing's going to harm me and nothing evil can come through. But I'm going to do something to contact a spirit and that no demonic can contact me. It doesn't work that way. Demonic entity doesn't care because the minute that you make that invitation, that's all it needs. To say hello,
0: and Mike, now to hook into that, how do you feel about these ghost boxes and stuff that they're using to talk?
1: Uh, anytime you're doing this, I would always do the preliminary questions first. And as a matter of fact, I've got anytime, anytime I, I'll do preliminary questions. Without when I'm doing EVP work, I'll say, "Do you confess Yahweh is your God? Do you kneel before the cross of Jesus?" Uh, and I'll just ask three basic, uh, preliminary, uh, preliminary questions, okay. and I got I got an answer with very clear EVP class a do you confess that yahweh is your god and the response was a resounding hell no i thought okay all right now i know what i'm dealing with here and so then we just proceed and i proceed with a minor right of exorcism because i know what i'm dealing with and so and there were other issues going on in that house as well but i would always ask the preliminary questions first before you proceed always
0: cool um Another question about animals. Are animals attacked by demons or or can they be possessed by
1: demons? Uh, I've never seen an animal being possessed, but I have seen an animal um, absolutely terribly frightened beyond belief uh, of a demonic presence. I I have seen that.
0: Okay, interesting. Very interesting. Um, When dealing with young kids, this is my question. Did you run across a lot of young kids that, 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 that need exorcisms? or, or having no.
1: no, no, it doesn't exist because they're not at the age of reason. You must be at the age of reason, which is believed. The church has always taught the age of reason is usually around 12. So if someone comes to me and says that a nine-year-old is possessed, it's not possible. They're not at the age of reason. Remember, the age of reason must be there because you have to have the intent the intent, and know that you are making communication. Know that you are absolute. You are. You have to see. You have to know that there is an invitation there. But if you're not at the age of it of of content, you don't understand. You're not. Th- then you, you. That doesn't exist. You simply don't have the invitation.
0: Here's a question. You, I don't even know the answer to this one. Do, do demons can, can, can demons come up through generational curses?
1: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I've seen generation, generation crosses that are very, and and I do, I have prayers for people who can pray for generally to, to release those generations. So if someone needs those prayers, look, I am not the type, of, I have all this information and I'm not going to give you, no, I'm the type of person that this is 41 years of studying yeah. 41. And I don't mind telling people I started when I was nine, I'm 50 years old. So I started when I was nine years old, I remember reading my first book. And I have not put down the books. I have never, never put. I just haven't stopped. So I will. Whatever information that I have that I can share with people, that's what I do. So if you think that you have a generational curse, contact me, and I'll send you some prayers that I that I have used myself, and uh, that that people seem to, to believe that they work, and I believe that they work.
0: Another question: Are there any are there any good demons? No. Dude, that was a good answer
1: absolutely not no don't don't believe and if you and if anyone tells you otherwise they are lying to you they are deceiving you and they're going to put you in very serious harm's way it doesn't exist unfortunately movies Mm -hmm. um in certain hollywood movies want to say you know you can have your own personal demon okay go ahead and play with that and tell me how it works out and and i guarantee you'll be calling me one day and asking me to help leave those things there's no such thing it doesn't exist
0: now, what happens after you go in and do, say, uh, the Rite of exorcism, say, in a house?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What do you tell the people afterward? I mean, obviously, they they can't focus on this deal on, on the thing that was in there because they could draw it back in, right?
1: Well, it, it you know, it's it's really it's it's very difficult for people not to forget because that's that's traumatic. That's very traumatic having a demonic infestation because people go through so much, and so after the I the very first thing I have to figure out is why did the infestation occur? Mm-hmm. I have to find that out. That is crucial. And then once I'm able to find out w- when did the invitation, how did it happen? And when I say invitation, I'm not talking about you're actually saying, oh, you know, you're purposely saying, oh, come on, do something to me. Come on in. I- I'll give you the invitation. That- that's not what I'm talking about. The invitation could be completely innocent. The invitation is opening up a portal of communication to the spirit world. And even by saying, is there anyone here? Can you make a noise? That's the That's the invitation. as innocent as as that so i need to know why the invitation occurred
0: and what about tv shows you know that people get into that stuff watching that stuff constantly that 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 can open up a door too to draw stuff in
1: it can um i mean but also tv shows at the same time there's a double edged sword to tv shows i I like them in a in in a way because they've also educated people that hey look if you are going through this so are other people too and then you may you know that you that you really truly this may be something that you might want to look out and and get some help with. So there's a double-edged sword to TV shows.
0: Here's a question from Chris. Um, When you found out that Zach wanted to buy the demon house, how did you feel about that?
1: Well, it depends from a personal, I have a master's of business and from a business perspective, it was a brilliant idea because uh, to actually pay someone to have, you know, to let you go into that place to investigate, to stay as long as you want, do as what, do whatever you want. He would have spent thousands upon thousands and thousands of dollars. Oh. So what he did is bought it for like cheap $30,000. So from a producer perspective, it was a smart business decision. Now from, a theological perspective, was very dangerous.
0: Absolutely, I, I can agree with that. And let's see what we got. How do we come to, okay, here's a question. How do people contact you if they have any issues?
1: Yeah, you can go to my Facebook page. If, if we're Facebook friends, uh, unfortunately I'm close to 5,000. So, and I have 7,000 more friend requests. So uh, if, if we're not friend requests, if we're not friends, then you can um, send it to uh, Bishop J Long, L O N G, Bishop J, the letter J, long at yahoo.com. Or for Facebook friends, you can just, um, and it's facebook.com forward slash Bishop James Long, L O N G. And just okay. send me a message and I'll send it to you.
0: And we got about five minutes left here. So I want you to plug what you're doing because I know you have radio shows going on your own.
1: Well, yeah, I, I do. And, and also, if you want to learn, I teach demonology, angelology, genealogy and paranormal studies all online. It's 100% at learn at your own pace. You can just go to bishopjameslong.com and click on the paranormal course. 100% of those profits goes to my funding my ministry. As I told you, I don't get paid for this ministry. I don't charge. And so uh, and I haven't won the lottery and people from all over the United States and all over the world are asking for my help. But uh, right now I've had a um a homeless ministry I've done for oh gosh over 30 years now and a single mom's ministry I've done for about 15 years. And I help single moms who just left a young mothers who just left a very abusive relationship and they need help. And people always say, well, why don't they go to get government assistance? They do. And if you go to government assistance, you know, it takes time. Sometimes they get the help. And so they come to me and they ask me for help. And so that's where the money goes to, to helping my ministry.
0: And I understand you have a case coming up. I do. That you're funding yourself to travel and everything. And you're, you're looking for some donations to, to get out there and
1: do that to help us. Yeah. Right now we're really far from the funding. I'm going to have to fly out there and then get a car and then get a hotel. And we, I think donations so far is like $85, $85, $95. And it's going to be close to eight to $900. And I've taken a vow of poverty. And so as a Benedictine, I just simply don't have eight or $900. I just don't. I wish I did. I wish I had a massive team and we could all put our, our money together, but I don't have that. It's me. And so I, I, I try to help people as much as I can. But that's, people always ask me, what's the biggest frustration? That is, that right there, trying to get the people to truly help them. That's my biggest frustration doing this ministry.
0: So if anybody can donate to help uh, the bishop out, yep. to, out there to help those people, it would be greatly appreciated.
1: Yeah, you can go to bishopjameslong.com and just make a donation to the homeless ministry, and I'll know what it's for.
0: Absolutely. Any, any parting words, sir?
1: No, I appreciate you, you, you uh, having me uh, on your show. And if anybody needs help, uh, I am not. Uh, I'm very, very, I'm very accessible. I, I'm very accessible. So you can just, you know, just grab me and say, hey, look, I need your assistance. I need to talk to you. I, I'm I'm this is what I'm here for.
0: All right. Fair enough. And you're leaving this show to go to your other show for Bible study, right?
1: I have Bible study today at three. Yeah.
0: OK, fabulous. Well, thank you, sir. I really appreciate you coming on.
1: Appreciate you guys having me. Thanks so much have a beautiful day. You too. All right, bye-bye.
0: Bye. Anyway, that was Bishop James Long. I've been wanting to have him on for a long time. I've known him for a while on Facebook and uh, I thought it was informative. I learned a lot and I hope you guys did too. Um, hopefully uh, by Wednesday, I will have the glitches done and figure out what the hell Microsoft did to my audio and uh, get all that taken care of. Um, so we can be back to where I can actually be on my regular screen. But I thank all of you for coming and we will see you on Wednesday. Okay. Bye.